Welcome to the Butts in the Seats podcast, episode number 70. Woo! <laughs> Another thing that we keep forgetting about, we have to do a shot. We literally were about to come upstairs, and I looked over, we were sitting on the couch downstairs, I look over at Nick, I'm like, fuck, we got these shots. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck, it is. <laughs> and uh, Emily got a little rowdy last night at Raw 30. <laughs> Channeling so. Roddy Piper, I guess. So, admittedly... Um, I'm taking her word on what she made for her <laughs> shot, because everything I proposed, she's like, no, no. <laughs> so this might just be a shot of apple juice for all I really know, but I believe that, you know. Listen, Raw 30 was a lot of fun for one of us. <laughs> I, I had a good time for the first hour. Yeah. Now, do you want to talk about Raw 30 before we do the shot, or do you want to do the shot? Let's do the shot so it's not just sitting here getting cold. Cheers to oh, 70. Oh no, a cold shot. How awful that would I be. I meant stale, like old, you know. Cheers to 70 episodes. Ooh, and 30 episodes of Raw. Wow, only 30 episodes only of Only 30 raw. episodes of Raw, wow. Wow, we, we've more than doubled the episodes of Raw. All right. All right, cheers. Cheers. There was whiskey in that, I swear. Emily, what'd you do for yours? Uh, mine was half. <laughs> Nick did not like his, I'll tell you that. Mine was half apple cider, half um, Jack Daniels Tennessee cider whiskey. Yeah, so it's it was, really good. My it sister was a got us a bottle mixed with the mixture. Yeah, my sister got us that bottle for Christmas, and I have just barreled through it. I think she intended to buy it for Nick, but I have just decided it's mine. Yeah, I did. When we got given it, I was like, eh, I really might enjoy this. I decided to pay tribute to one of our local bars, with the bar of Pub Dog. They do it less now, but they used to just, like, give out free shots at Grand Marnier all the time. And so, ironically, you did something your sister gave us. I did something my sister gave us. That's true. I didn't think about that. That's funny. Here's to sisters. To sisters. Sister, sister. But yeah, we're recording this the day after Raw is XXX. Emily, any, like, general thoughts on our uh, experience? It was the first, like, TV taping we went to. Because we've gone to a house show. Yeah. And we've gone to a pay-per-view. This was the first... I, well, I mean, I guess I should say WWE because we went to. Um, oh, that's true. We went to, went to the AW Rampage, right? Dynamite. Dynamite. And then they Bam. were like, "We want to film a bunch of AEW Dark after the show," and I'm like, "I love uh, you guys, but <laughs> we've been here for a while, and I'm tired." And... I'm going home. Um, no, it was a lot of fun, and you don't really feel like it's a TV taping while you're there. The only time where it felt like we were catering for television was at the very, very beginning when they were like, oh, we're going live for 10 seconds. Well, they didn't, Everybody they didn't cheer. say it was 10 seconds because you were like, we're, we're going? And I looked and it was like, it was like, it was 750. like 7.48. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. So they're like, all right, guys, we're going live in 10. And it's like 7.52. I'm like, okay. So I'm losing my mind. And then everybody just like stops after 15 or so seconds. I'm like, oh, that was that was a tea. that We were just a commercial break, weren't we? <laughs> Yeah, and um, God, I really thought the fact that we were there live would make Raw not feel like three hours. No, it still but felt like three hours. Somewhere around Ric Flair coming out, it felt like a long show. I did actually like how they integrated the legends mostly. Can we talk about my boy opening the show? <laughs> Hulk not Hogan's Hulk Hogan. No, fuck Hulk Hogan. Jimmy fucking Hart <laughs> well, opened was, Raw last night. I Can must, we talk about this? I bust out laughing because you were like arms crossed like mm, Hogan. And I'm like, Emily, your boy's here. You're like, what? Oh, yeah. Because like everyone around us was booing, of course. And like Hulk Hogan comes out. So Nick and I had bets of like, 
what was going to happen with each legend. And he, I said that Vince McMahon was going to open the show, well, and he didn't well, even well, show our, up. Our whole bet was who was going to open the show. Yes. And I did laugh because the girl next to us was like, God, I don't want fucking Vince to be here. And I'm like, I don't think he is. Like, he didn't come out. But I was convinced that Vince was going to open the show. Nick was convinced the Hulk was going to open the show. And I'm like, they shouldn't do Hulk because no one really likes Hulk. So maybe we don't do that. And that's what they did. So Nick was right. And so everybody around was like, oh, this fucking sucks. And then Jimmy Hart comes out and I just start losing my goddamn mind. Yeah. And I make, I like, I yell Jimmy Hart so people know that I'm not losing my mind for fucking Hulk Hogan. Like, I was like, it's fucking Jimmy Hart! There was a child in the row oh, behind us. Oh my God. This, so, this, this child wanted a suplex and he wanted tables. Yes. That kid learned, like, I swear that kid learned the word suplex the night before. No, that, that, he by, loved by the way, that. That kid was a heel child because he, like, I was kind of listening to him as we were going, and he was, like, really rooting for the heels. I'm like, you fucking smark. <laughs> he was like, we want suplex. Like, he was doing his own little chants back there. He was calling for tables a lot. He was calling for... Also, um, the kid wasn't even right. They were going for a superplex on a suplex. Oh, shut fucking learn your lingo, eight-year-old. Shut He wasn't even eight. Um... What was the, he was calling for Kofi's finish? What was that called? Oh, he kept yelling "Trouble in Paradise" yes. on, on every spin kick. <laughs> he was having the time of his life, and I loved him. And then, and then there was a woman behind yeah. us who decided that the, her whole mission that night. There, there, there's a new top heel in WWE. I don't know if you're aware of. And this. her whole thing is the conspiracy against Dippin' Dots. Apparently, she was just going off about Dippin' Dots. The problem was she made me laugh during the main event taping, mm-hmm. as in. Taping of the show main event, not... It was funny at first, and then she just kept going. Yeah, I thought it was Learn a tight five. A I didn't dies. realize it was, you know, exactly. it was a series of Netflix specials. Exactly. She didn't She didn't know when to let the joke die. It was funny at first. She called them soft nerds. Like, that's a great that's line. That's a great joke. Yeah. That's a great joke. Yeah. Hilarious, but I digress. It was a lot of fun. I really liked seeing Kurt Angle try to be part of DX. Um, Nick predicted Biker Taker. That was pretty cool. No, I... Yeah, you did. Did I? Yeah, you did. <laughs> you remember picking Biker Taker? Yeah. I remember guessing that Taker was going to come out as part of the LA Knight segment. I remember you No, you... Pre- I wanted him to come out as Classic Undertaker, and you're like, no, we're going to get, like, fucking Biker Takers. I think you joked. Yeah, it was but... a weird thing, because they advertised him as Classic yeah. and weird middle-aged swingers bar Undertaker. <laughs> but he came out on the bike. It was so cool. He couldn't get it to start. <laughs> Yeah, he just, he just walked it down like, <laughs> like a kid who can't ride a bike yet. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, you did get angry at DDP just showing up and leaving. Oh, my God. You lost your goddamn mind at Medusa coming Medusa! out. Medusa! Sorry, I just totally spiked that. Medusa! We saw Medusa! <laughs> and she had the women's title playing poker with the APA. Yeah, and then she brought it out. You know, the, the title that she chimmy-chucked in the bin. <laughs> It was so cool to see Medusa. I have been singing her praises for weeks on this podcast. I got to see her in person. It was so cool. And then Jimmy Hart came out again. And Jimmy Hart. Because she didn't get enough of a pop. It was like, hey. But yeah, all the superstars that had like little backstage segments came out on stage just to like, you know, DDP came out and did the diamond cutter thing real quick. It was like yeah. literally 20 seconds. And that was it. They just came out, said yeah. hi, and went just back. Like, get a pop. Yeah. And go and backstage. It worked. But I was like, no, DDP, come back. I want, I want to watch more of you. It was cool. Who else was in the, those backstage segments? The the APA. The APA. That's not. It wasn't a lot. Of, I mean, oh, the Godfather. Ah, yes, the Godfather. Who did not come out? I just realized. No, he did not. Maybe he had to leave. <laughs> He's too fucking high. <laughs> Maybe. 
He's uh, looking around for the hose. That said, we're here to talk about an episode of Nitro. I'd not, rather um, talk about Raw, if I'm honest. We're here to talk about the December 6, 1999 Monday Nitro. We mentioned that, you know, Raw feels like three hours even when you're there live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're obviously those people that are like, it should be two hours. Oh, yeah. Emily, how does it feel knowing that it has been confirmed by Vince Russo at this point in time that come January, Nitro is going to be two hours. Thank God. Really? We have like three left. Thank God. Does that mean these episodes are going to get shorter? I don't know. Hmm. We'll have to find out. We, we, we might pad. We'll, we'll go we on We tend to tangents. do a lot of this. We, yeah. do, we do tangent a lot. Uh, additionally, Thunder is going to be going to Wednesdays because... They, they talked a lot of shit about Thunder in this episode. They really did. They, they don't even like their own product. No, like... This is WCW admitting defeat. Like, all right, we're going to less hours because we can't beat them all. Yeah. And we're moving the other show. Because it sucks. Additionally, due to uh, Turner's standards and practices, Oklahoma will be dropping the Bell's Palsy aspect of the gimmick. Really? Good. It took standards and practices to tell him, hey, that's not a cool look. Yeah. Wow. And in a match we didn't watch because we don't watch Thunder, but a match I kind of want to watch. On Thunder, they did Jushin Thunder Liger versus Chris Benoit. Hmm. I'm like, oh, that could be good. That could be good if they let it if they let it breathe. Yeah, that's kind of the problem. And let's just note the uh, the rating before we get into the show. Raw did a 6.0 and Nitro did a 3.0. Yeah, that tracks. So as mentioned before, today we're we'll talking about the December 6, 1999 Monday Nitro live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee. A show that we watched two days ago. And this was only two days ago. I barely remember this shit. Wait, this is we watched this two days ago? Which on Sunday, yeah. I thought we watched this on like Thursday. No. Oh, God. This is not going to go well. <laughs> Very unmemorable I, Before show. we sat down to record, I was like, do you want... I, I thought about suggesting to you, do you want to skim through it real quick? Just so we remember? No. Oh, God. This should not have left my brain so quickly. Yeah, we watched it after, after eating steak on Sunday. Oh, God. Yeah, you're right. So we start with a Nitro opening, followed by the opening pyro, and then we get... A growing rare occurrence. We get Mean Gene in the ring. I know. We got a lot of Gene tonight. <laughs> They're like, all right, you want to go to the strip club? You're going to fucking earn your paycheck next yeah, week. Yeah, that's true. Make back all that money. You just blew on strippers. He's in the ring. He brings out the chosen one, I'm Jeff Jarrett. the chosen Jarrett. one. Jarrett comes out jawing with the crowd. And I feel like you... I remember you laughing at my um, pantomime Jeff Jarrett impression, which is just taking two fingers from each hand and whipping them across your body. That is a Jeff Jarrett entrance. Just, <laughs> just ah, swinging. Ah. Just comes out swinging those fingers. Jarrett takes the mic from Gene and Gene just leaves. <laughs> yeah. I, how dare you disrespect Gene like that? Yeah. The man has one job. You at least have multiple jobs. Let this man do his job. He's, he's the chosen one, Emily. Okay. And that's how we start this promo by saying he's the chosen one. He calls Gene slap nuts. I know. Hard pass. Okay. And I need to ask you. Emily, what is the name of... Seven. No. What is the name of the authority figure right now? The powers to be. Yeah, apparently <laughs> now they fucking change the wording because everyone is only calling them the powers to be, which I don't think is actually a phrase. I don't think so. It sounds like you're saying a phrase wrong. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because Jarrett says he doesn't need the powers to be. And I'm like, that's the first time you said that wrong, I'm pretty sure. Because Piper can't fucking say it straight. Piper has no idea what's going on. He's consistent, at least. Jarrett also says he doesn't need the outsiders. He only needs the title. 
He says that Dustin Rhodes has screwed him on multiple occasions. Sorry, who? He's Dustin Rhodes, Emily. I'm sorry. Seven's so much easier to type in my notes. He wants to end Dustin's career and challenges Rhodes to a bunkhouse brawl, then heals on Dusty a bit. So there were asshole chants here. Were they for Jeff Jarrett or were they for Dustin? No, it was for Jarrett. Okay, because, you know, calling out a guy who's also being an asshole. No, Dusty is still like a beloved, you know, overarching figure in WCW, so... Him being a dick to uh, to Dusty. It's like, hey, it, honestly, he got a little bit of a champ, but didn't get much heat. Like, Jared's not over. Jared then talks shit about Mike Tanay and threatens Gene, who's still kind of around. Tanay comes out and, like, Jared backs down like a little bitch, but then still threatens Tanay and then puts him in the figure four while his dubbed music plays. And <laughs> I, I liked that Mike Tanay came down, though. Yeah. Yeah. The the reps have a whole storyline going through this episode of like, no, we're taking our power back. And it's kind of like... Hard. Through this whole episode? Yeah. Emily, it's for like 20 minutes. I mean, that's more than a lot of segments get. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it as we go through. No, but it's kind of expanding to the uh, backstage people too. So, I mean, give them their power back. Don't do what fucking Je- Jeff Jarrett did and called Mean Gene Slap Nuts. Like, no, <laughs> let me do my job. Don't disrespect me like this. I am the backstage commentator. I am the in-ring commentator. You will respect me. So Goldberg makes the save and like chases Jared out of the ring and makes no attempt to go after him afterwards. I'm like, what's the point? What are you doing? Go after him. Get him. It's one guy. So then we get Tony and Bobby checking in uh, some matches for later tonight. We're going to get Bret Hart versus Lex Luger for the WCW title. Which I kind of knew at the time, I'm like, that's going to be halfway through the night. Because mm-hmm. literally every week since he's won it, Brett has defended the title halfway through the show. Really? That's disappointing. Yeah, apparently Lex won a match on Thunder. So it's like, all right, you get a title match. Okay. We're also going to do DDP making his in-ring return versus Sid. It's me. It's me. It's DDP. And then an I Quit match with Roddy Piper as the ref. And then they go... Oh, by the way, it's Creative Control versus Roddy Piper. It's like, wait, what? So Roddy Piper is refereeing his own match. Yes. That was never going to work. No. Like, ever. No. Let's go backstage. So, so do you want to keep calling them the goons or the Mamelukes? Oh, goons. Okay. At least until they actually get their name. Goons. The they go- will forever be the goons. The goons and Tony Marinara chat their plan. The goons are just still buffoons. The There's- buffoon goons. We then go somewhere in the woods... Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> so what it's happens? The Blair here, Irish Wish Project. We're out in the woods, and we have Brian Knobs kind of wandering around yelling for Finley. And what this ends up being is remember last week when they cut Brian Knobs' hair, and Fit Finley was saying something along the lines of like, "If you want to be a soldier, you're gonna look like a soldier." I don't remember why they called him a soldier. I think Nobbs made like a single line in his promo. Okay. And that and that was enough. So like, basically this was Finley conducting military training for Brian Nobbs. And so we just see them in the woods where I guess they'll do some training. And that's it. Yeah, Finley says he's late, they go for military thing, and we don't see this again the we rest of the We never see it again. There's no payoff for this. Because I thought there's gonna be something in the next segment because then we get Norman Smiley coming out. In a full cheese head outfit. Yeah, he's coming out in Packers gear and a cheese head. Norman grabs the mic and says he'd kick Finley's booty, but Finley's not here. It's like, oh, you know. I would, but I can't. He offers an open challenge, which I don't know who I expected, 
But it wasn't Rhonda Singh. No. She comes out of the ring, throws a bunch of bins in the ring, including there's the Surge uh, cooler in the... in the Surge uh, watch, baby! Yeah, in the little uh, trash bin. She hits Norman with the cans and the lids and the cookie sheets as he yelps. Like, she is beating the shit and out the of Norman Smiley. Yeah. He, she destroys him with Yeah, she works on the kind of stick and then just more trash cans. Like, she's on offense through almost all of this. I mean, and she's a beast. Norman nails with a trash can and goes for a fire extinguisher. She then hits him with a can and then also hits some corner attacks. He decides to go for what they call a hardcore wiggle. So, this is where it kind of lost me. Because I was into this match. And then when Norman goes for the extinguisher, he doesn't really go for the extinguisher. He no. kind of sets up the extinguisher so that Rhonda can get it. Yeah. When he goes for whatever this hardcore wiggle you call it? Yeah, they've now called it the hardcore. It's with the big wiggle. The hardcore wiggle. Ew. That sounds way more sexual. I mean, and when he's doing it behind a woman, it also comes off more sexual. Yeah, well. I did, like, as a taunt, I was like, eh, whatever. But when you're, like, doing it on a person, I'm like, this is Yeah, weird. no, I agree. So, he goes for the hardcore wiggle, but Rhonda sprays him with the fire extinguisher, which, yeah, he, like, literally put right next to her. They go back and forth for a moment, and then she gets thrown, like, face first through a table. Like, ow. Yeah, there's, like, a table set up in the corner of the ring, and she just gets walloped through it. Norman pins her and retains the hardcore title. This was actually a little bit of fun. It was kind of weird with the big wiggle, which I think we lingered on a little bit. But like, I want him to go back to his fun outfits. I want the freaking night. I don't want him to come out in the football outfit of whatever city they're in. That's what he's mostly been doing. Ugh. Well, he did the Lions. Now he's doing the Packers. He came out in hockey gear before that. Yeah, like, he the, did. The, but he had the mask, at least. With the hockey gear, it made sense. By like, the way, he didn't come out in the night outfit. Jimmy Hart did. But... Yeah, I'm I'm with you. This was a little bit of fun, but it's just nobody bothers selling anything, so it just kind of feels like them going through the motions almost. Yeah, I do like seeing Rhonda sing in this, though. Yeah, I no, I, yeah, I definitely enjoyed her just like coming out and being a little bit of a badass as opposed to you know large woman. Yeah, exactly. Like she came off capable here. I'm a little scared of what happens with Rhonda's future. Yes, because you listened to a little bit of um, How To Nitro Girls. I did, because, I mean... I didn't think there'd be spoilers, and you're like, you didn't tell me Rhonda's thing was in the Nitro Girls. I'm like, I didn't know. But they don't really talk about what she does in Nitro Girls. Like, they even mentioned later on, like, they don't really talk about her career because it's a disservice to what she's done for wrestling. So I don't really know what she does in the Nitro Girls. I just know what happens, and I'm scared for it. Well, when do you think they're going to get to How To Maestro? I don't know, man. There was a lot of Maestro in this episode. Well, I guess it's on us then. Because backstage, the maestro plays piano, and one of his keys is out of tune. So he goes to... The key of C. The key... Oh, okay. Sorry. You're, you're the key the of expert. C. Uh, well, he did not see this coming. Well, okay. I'm going to be a little bit of a music <laughs> Don't snob step real in quick. my pun. No, I'm going to. Um, the key of C is different than the C key. <laughs> a song can be played in the key of C. You hit the C key to make a note play. What does the ocean have to do with any of this? So when they said that the key of C was out of tune, I was like, how can it, how, how? I mean, I guess like the, the key, like if they're playing the C chord, it's out of tune. But are they talking about the C note key or are they talking about, are they just misusing music language? It was just very vague what they were talking about and it bothered me. Okay. I have a music question. Okay. What is, it, no- is it an actual question or are you being a dick? What notes are beyond the C? I'm done. <laughs> See, I try to go off on like actual tangents about actual things, and you just cut me off with a dumbass joke, and then you're like, I oh, dare you step on my pun. 
how dare you step on my pot no fuck you i have actual intelligence to bring to this goddamn podcast and you step on me every week you want to go to the room so oh wait, actually no we need to finish that segment sorry uh david sneaks up and kidnaps symphony drops the piano lid on the maestro and this will be a uh Bear in mind, all David has against the maestro is that he was really annoying that one episode. Which was David even hanging out for the whole like in that area the whole time? I think I don't know. I think music is just kind of setting him off. Yeah, I I don't know, but it doesn't feel like I don't feel like it. It lended itself to I have to murder him now. Like he just played the piano annoyingly. Like don't kidnap his woman and murder him. What? So let's go to the room. So from there, because we'll get a lot of David for the rest of the night. Unfortunately. Psychosis and Laparka are here. Russo notes that Hoovy broke his arm and Liger is entitled to a rematch. So, they're all right, who wants to face him? Um, you guys are friends with uh, with Hoovy. Why don't you guys do it? No, he was saying they were friends with, with each other. And it's like, I want to ruin this, so fight each other. To I thought there was, like, because they were friends with Hoovy. I think it was both. The way I read it was because they're friends with Hooventude, they're just as good as Liger getting a rematch with Hooventude. So pick one. We're putting more thought into this than Rousteau did. Whatever. So yeah, it's like, all right, whoever like gets to the door or leaves first gets to Oh, play. I don't know. I, was, I just figured yeah, like whoever so beats it, the other one down. Fight each other. Yeah. It wasn't like a race. It was just whoever wins this beat down. Yeah. Psychosis seems to win and he he's in the match later. So I guess he did. Yeah, I guess so. But then you go elsewhere backstage. Bret Hart is here. He's drinking a Surge. We don't really see a lot of shots of these wrestlers actually drinking Surge. His hand was covering the logo. like I know, but you. But did he actually take a sip out of the can? I think he did. It was a bottle. Oh, okay. I, we just really don't see that very often. No. Like It's around, but we never see them drinking it. Even like commentary, they always have it there, but I never see them take a swig. Relatedly, there was a good period of time where WWE was uh, sponsored by like Mountain Dew. Yeah, and so the, so the um, you know the Mountain Dew would be on the desk, and people would like sneak photos of Jerry Lawler like having a can or bottle of Coke under the desk. Like, <laughs> I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> the bottle's there for the money; it's not there for uh, enjoyment. I don't think I could sip on a bottle of Mountain Dew and enjoy it. Ew! What's the last time you had a Mountain Dew? Emily, you claim to be a gamer, and you're not going to drink. Th- you're, I don't you're, claim to be a gamer. You last week you claimed to be a gamer. Probably jokingly. I am not a gamer girl. It was at Raw 30. No, I said no, I No, sorry. Could... It was at Ikea before Raw 30. Oh, we were we were in the gamer section. That's how we pre-game Raw 30. We go to the Philadelphia <laughs> to Ikea. Ikea. It was great. Let's go elsewhere backstage. Lex Luger approaches Elizabeth's locker room. He's just knocking on it. And she's like, go away. And then he's like, I have champagne. And she goes, well, okay. Okay, come on in. Very me. Very me energy there. Somewhere in the arena, Disco Inferno and Lash LaRue have found Tony Marinara and the goons are nowhere to be found. They uh, they attack Tony by pretending to be pizza delivery guys. So they knock on the door and they're like, God, delivery. And Tony's like, who ordered a pizza? I, no, he made a joke of like, who ordered a pizza? We're in Milwaukee. Yeah, that, that was a good line. <laughs> like, that's, a good, like, yeah. that's good. You're not going to get good pizza in Milwaukee. Sorry. No, I'm not. I'm from the land of Tony Marinara. Let's go to our second match of the night. And Jesus. It is Jushin Thunder Liger versus Psychosis. And literally as they're starting, we just see Buzzkill roaming around the crowd. And I like, didn't notice it was him immediately. It took us both a second to be like, oh, yeah, there he is. The two start slow, so you can actually like see he's there. And then it's like, all right, Liger does a cartwheel, then Hurricane Rana and dumps Psychosis to the floor. And it's like, okay, we're 
We're, we're picking it up now. You've yeah. seen him. Let's let's do. They a match. did at least allow this match to happen, which I appreciated. The problem is the broadcast is still like, oh, Buzzkill. Uh, yeah. What's he up to? Liger does a fake dive, which made Psychosis into a baseball slide, and then a top rope press. Psychosis hits a top rope drop kick, but only gets a two as he confronts Charles Robinson, who then pushes him back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is the whole storyline. Like the true, I guess. Yeah, yeah, this adds to it. Like, no, don't fuck with me. I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> He's a little Nate. She's going to put him in the figure four. The Nate Chaboy. The figure two. <laughs> they brawl outside for a moment and then just come back in for a top rope Frankensteiner. Sloppy rolling heel kick from Liger and a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker, which was a lot nicer. He follows that up with, with a Mexican surfboard stretch, but Psychosis just like slips out of it. And then we get a little bit of back and forth action. Liger technically rolls up Psychosis and gets the pin kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, it was a really quick finish. He celebrates with the belt. Laparca runs out, hits Psychosis with a chair, and then does his dance. He does his stupid little monster mash dance. Fucking love it. It's great. This is a good match. I was really happy with it. I mean, it's the best we're going to get out of these two with Russo at the helm. Yeah, yeah. But... <gasps> Speaking of helms. Oh. He wasn't there. Yeah, he said he was going to be there. Gregory. I was excited to see the hurricane. Where the fuck was he? Posted on Twitter and everything, that bitch. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think you used a very key phrase there with Russo at the helm because, you know, I believe these guys could have a better match. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I am curious to see the, uh, the that, that Thunder match because I don't mm. think Russo cares en- enough about Thunder to be like, yeah. let's muddle this down with angles. Yeah, no, I think you're right. But no, I'm with you. These two could have had, it's the same thing I thought last week. These two could have an incredible match, but not here. Yeah. Well, speaking of people who have an incredible match, we go backstage to three Nitro girls, including Stacey Keebler and two of the other heel ones. Emily, you need to start learning their names. No. Oh, you start learning their names. I know everyone else's name. Why does the girl have to learn the girl's names? I know the moves. Can you know the names? The only reason we know Stacey is because it's Stacey Keebler. And her name is Spice. Sorry, no. Fuck, she's Scott. No, Sorry, you keep calling her. Shit. Her name is Stacy Spice. <laughs> That's yeah. You keep throwing me off with that. Uh, the, so I hate that. I hate that they call her Sky. I think no, that's terrible. Yeah, so they're all talking shit on Spice, and they're playing poker. The goons approach, and it's like, have you seen Disco or Lash? Like, no. like, oh, I see you playing poker. Would you like to play strip poker? And can you tell the audience at home that I correctly identified exactly where this joke was going? Yeah, you did. So we'll come back to that joke later. Because apparently this joke takes two hours to tell. In Liz's locker room, Lex pleads his case. Liz is having just absolutely none of it. He pulls like every line out of the toxic man workbook. I mean, we're meant to be together. I need you. We're better together. What? This is the most toxic, manipulative relationship I've ever seen on television. That That's probably not true. But good for her for standing up for herself. Spoiler. Elsewhere backstage, the maestro storms around, yells, and just kind of, and just generally overacts. It's like falling. Yeah. It's one of those where you drop to your knees to yell something, but then the scene's not over, so you have to get up to keep walking. You have to get up and keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. Then we go to a locker room. Uh, Mean Gene is here to interview Mona's boobs. (laughs) Yes. Because it's Molly Holly, and he is only here to just... It's part of the segment, for what it's worth. Yes, it is. He's not just being an unwarranted pervert. He's being a scripted pervert. I did think it was the unwarranted pervert at first. Because I, like, hit Nick. I'm like, look at Gene right now. Are you fucking kidding me? Look at this sick man. 
And then he Mona, he, he, he just had, he had too many titties last week. I know. Now he's obsessed. But then Mona pulls the my eyes are up here line. So she says that she's more than TNA and will show that she can wrestle. And that was kind of it. Yeah, she's she's in our next match, which is a triple threat match. They call it a three-way dance, but to me, three-way dance elimination style. So it's a triple threat. Yeah, well, they call it a three-way dance. It is Evan Courageous, kind of, versus Medusa versus Mona. The winner of this match, if it's Medusa or Mona, gets a title shot at Starcade. And if Courageous wins, he just doesn't defend the title at Starcade and probably misses out on a massive payday. Yeah, I don't I don't really get the stakes for this. Yeah. We did know that Mona's still wrestling barefoot, which I know concerned you at one point. Is, at one is it still point, concerning? Not really. No, it concerned me when there were like weapons involved. But for this kind of stuff, not really. So Courageous goes to commentary instead of wrestling, and I'm like, oh, I guess this is just why even have this be a triple threat. Yeah, and, there's no reason. Oh, well, it'll play into the finish. So the match is happening. There's a lot of miscommunication. Like it's it's rough. Yeah. Mona hits a crossbody, then a top rope drop kick, and I'm like, there you go. Courageous interferes with with a pin. Medusa then gets an inside cradle on Courageous and pins him. What a twist! And that's the match. Like, oh, like we've been kind of looking forward to these two having a match for a while, and it was like, oh, this is just sloppy and awkward. Well, we didn't really know that Mona was coming back in this episode either. We didn't know she was coming back. Period. Yeah, exactly. Um, and for some reason, the, the pin on this segment is Jeff Jarrett coming out, hitting Medusa with a guitar, and then challenging Goldberg to a match. I fucking hate him. I'm so tired of Jeff Jarrett. I know I'm not done with him. <laughs> no, I know, but it just, it is funny to me that when he debuted, I'm like, God, you know, he gets a lot of heat for this kind of run. Why? And now we're like... We're literally a month and a half in, and we're like, Gosh, oh, shut up. oh, I get it. <laughs> Go away. And also, I want to point out, for a man who was talking about, this isn't the, the WWF, we don't hit women, you sure just came is, down yeah. and blasted Medusa for really no reason. He sure is hitting a lot of women. So we'll get that match later. We go backstage, Disco Inferno and Lash LaRue still have Tony backstage. Tony Marinara, not Tony Schiavone. No, not Tony Schiavone. Yep, they got him hostage. Not much going on here. Nope. They're starting to. Uh, they're starting the procedure of gonna. They're gonna tar and feather him. Yeah. What the fuck? In Miss Elizabeth's dressing room, she finally stands up to Lex, dumps some champagne on him. So he's all sticky and gross. We get Maestro looking for Symphony, but David still has her and is like lurking in the back of the frame. He has her like gagged and bound. You're giving it too much credit. He literally is just definitely like, has her gagged. He's just holding her like his hand. His hand is over her mouth. She's not no, gagged. She, well. Whatever. Then we get Mean Gene interviewing Jerry Only and Vampiro and Vampiro's cool new hat. It is Oklahoma's hat. I, yes. They missed this he from last He stole Oklahoma's hat. Vampiro cuts a decent promo here. He's talking about Oklahoma and Steve Williams being a thorn on their side. And it's like, you know, what, is, what does that do? Like, you know, like, like it hurts, but maybe I'm a sicko and I kind of like it. Ew. So you're a masochist. Yeah. He's like, I like the pain. Ew. And tonight the nightmare begins. Oof. And that's our next match. It is a tag team match of Oklahoma and Dr. Death oh, versus Vampiro and Jerry Only. Oh, God. Oklahoma has a headset mic on him, so he can commentate at least the first 25% of this match. Terrible. Like, that goes out the window pretty quick. I gave them, like, mini props for ingenuity in this match because, like, I've never seen this done before. But we understand why we've never seen it done after this because it fell apart so quickly. But it was kind of, okay, it was kind of funny. While also being incredibly annoying when 
Oklahoma was like commentating about himself. Where like Oklahoma gets in the ring, he sizes up the opponent like he's narrating everything that he's doing. See, there's a better version of this I needed to show you, which is in TNA. There, so there was a whole thing of like literally as Booker T and Kevin Nash, they played like fictional commentators with like fictional names, mm. like just them fucking around. Yeah, and Booker T is literally like in the middle of like a mass beatdown segment, holding a microphone, like commentating his own beatdown. Oh, God. while he's being thrown down. Just, honestly, it's it's pretty good comedy. But okay. Just, you know, it's a quick thing, which isn't meant to be the centerpiece of a whole match. Yeah. So Oklahoma actually starts off, then immediately tags out. Dr. Death hits some lame tackles and then an even somehow lamer toehold. Oh my god, Dr. Death is a terrible wrestler. He's so bad. Oklahoma tags in and does the toehold wrong. Oh, Dr. Death's like, no, 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 uh, other way. Because I swear he actually does it in like a more sore way. Oh like, no, 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 flip it. Oklahoma punches Vampiro in the dick and then... Uh, Dr. Death tags in, hits a press slam on Jerry only, but Vampiro hits a missile dropkick. I think this is where the microphone starts to fall apart. Oh, yeah. I think pretty early on. We then get a padded chair shot from Oklahoma to Jerry only. Like, this thing has a cushion that's about four inches thick. Oh, yeah. It's a cushy chair. Power slam to Vampiro from Dr. Death. Oklahoma takes off his boot to cheat directly in front of the ref. Yeah. He's just fine with it. Two clotheslines from Dr. Death followed by a back suplex. This is, like, going to get the pin. So Oklahoma tags in. A spot I actually did laugh at for a comedy heel. He goes to the second rope, like, starts to get on the top rope, and he's like, no, fuck this. Then goes down to the bottom rope and hits (laughs) hits an elbow drop and then gets the pin. And it's like, you know, you're shit, but, like, that's just in a vacuum. That was funny. That's just a good comedy spot. He's like, you were already on the second rope, and you go, "Eh, it's still too high. Yeah, it's too high. I'm scared. Scared of heights. Um, I did write as my reaction to this match, stop the pain. (laughs) Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. It's real bad. As someone who has seen virtually no, like, peak Dr. Death, what is there? Listen, I'm not going looking for it. Like he's not a good wrestler. Like as someone who's usually in the camp of telling you, like, no, 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 like, I think back to the invasion of me and DDP. You'd be going, no, 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 like this isn't representative of him. No, he's good. I swear. I'm like, I need someone to do that with with Steve Williams because yeah. I'm just like, what is it? Yeah. What What is his draw? What is? His I'm kind of thinking like, is he just Mystique and Aura in Japan? Like, is that it? Oh, really? But then again, like, Scott Norton and NWO Sting are a big draw in Japan, so does does Japan just have a weird taste? I mean, probably. I mean, yes, but... They do have kind of weird taste. In wrestling? In a lot of things. In their popular culture, Japan likes something very specific. I I think I know that this leads to a Starcade match, but I guess guess it's going to be Dr. Death versus Vampiro. Oh, by the way, there's only one Nitro in between now and Starcade. Yeah, they said there's like 13 days or something to Starcade. Well, actually, I'm remembering this. At one point, they say we're gonna have details on like the rest of the Starcade card later tonight. They oh, don't they tell us. That? Yeah, I didn't even catch them well, saying that. Commentary says it, and then I I don't know whether just Kevin Nash and Scott Hall just deliver the news for them because they don't. I really don't have any note of anything commentary did in this episode. They were really nothing to yeah. do in this episode they were really background we go backstage the nitro girls cheat at poker blatantly to the camera but not to the goons not to the goons the goons but are pretty dumb the goons are losing yes they're like half naked at this point and the girls are still fully clothed 
Disco and Lash threaten to tar and feather Tony, and then he calls the he calls each of them Stugats. Yeah, what the fuck's a Stugat? <laughs> it's a person. Okay. Yeah. Like, he's an actual person. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you meant like it was an Italian word. No, for no, no. Stugats is a person. Oh. Oh, Stugats. Okay. No, that's the thing. So I may be throwing myself off because in like current like sports talk, kind of sports radio, and I don't know for how long because the guy was born in 1972. There has been somebody who has like the nickname and he's known professionally as Stugats, which is a phrase, which is an Italian phrase for like, all right, this dick. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So I don't know when Stugatz got his got his you know got his start. So I'm like, are you referencing the guy? I don't know. He's probably just doing the Italian phrase. I don't <laughs> think does that athlete have anything to do with Wisconsin sports? Oh, he's not even an athlete. He's just a sports talk guy. Oh, does he have anything to do with Wisconsin? No, he's based in Miami, not. Florida. Then probably the Italian phrase. Yeah, especially because the the show that he's kind of known for started in 2004. So yeah, I think maybe yeah. it's just all right. Yeah, but, you're, you're thinking but, about this bar. That's much. my context for Stugatz. Because <laughs> for a while, I like, I remember my dad would mention this guy, and I thought he had a friend named Stugatz. <laughs> and I realized that it wasn't. Oh, wait, never mind. Stu, hi, I'm Stu, Stugatz. That could be a name. Yeah, no, it absolutely could. Anyway, Stugatz. Any, um, speaking of Stugatz, Lex and, uh, and, and Brett head towards the ring for their match kind of upcoming we then go to mean gene interviewing the outsiders gene notes that tonight is going to be scott hall versus sting and kevin nash versus chris benoit hall says that he's throwing sting in the trash much much like the belt the other week yeah i didn't mention that at starcade it's going to be scott hall versus chris benoit in a ladder match for the u.s title that should be cool yeah because this is where they're just like oh yeah we have these matches at starcade yeah. and hall's like I, I you know i invented a ladder match like i'm gonna beat him and he's like, well, you know, if Benoit even makes it there, because I think Kevin Nash is going to, you know, beat him down so bad he won't make it there. Right. Nash has a match at Starcade. It's facing Sid in a powerbomb match. Which I'm not excited for. Yeah. That's just going to be big boys living in the corner until they come to the middle and do a powerbomb and then go back to the corner. Oh, no, no, no. Here's the thing. If, if I'm reading this right, I think it's first one to do a powerbomb. So the whole tease is, Who's going to actually do a move first? Oh, God. Oh, it's going to be fucking <laughs> yeah. terrible. It's not even like, oh, it's going to be multiple finishers. No, I think it's just going to be no, one. No, that's just going to be awful. Uh, but Nash is going to use Benoit as a warm-up tonight. Then let's go to our WWE title match about an hour in. It's Bret Hart versus the Total Package. I feel like I need to actually break that out every now and again because they that's what they still are calling him. He's Lex in my notes. I can't I can't do the total oh, package. Oh, yeah. They, they've given up on not calling him that. They're just yeah, like, when we're focusing committed. on it, we'll call him that. But Yeah. So Luger comes out without Miss Elizabeth and like do, going to do the tear off the clothes. You can see him yeah. actually like, thanking Brett. Like, oh, yeah. Thank, I want to do the entrance. Thank you. It and doesn't then, work nearly as well. Yeah. He Ms. fucks Elizabeth. up his pants and Brett just like attacks him. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I gave you one shot. Yeah. One opportunity. So Brett works over Lex around ringside. And then back in the ring. And uh, Total Package ain't doing much at the start of this match. No. Brett works over the legs until he goes for a backbreaker and Lex rakes the eyes. And then pretty quickly, Miss Elizabeth comes out. Sting follows her and it's like, look, it's Lex or me. And she chooses Sting. Yep. Just they then they just leave. Yeah. It was really quick, but it was a good storytelling moment. At least I'll give him that. Yeah. Uh, Brett hits a Russian leg sweep, locks in the sharpshooter and wins. Yeah. 
This this was this match was just storytelling. Like this is an exposition match. Not even for the wrestlers in the ring. I thought I thought you meant exhibition. I'm like, no, this was exposition. You're right. Exposition. This was yeah. an exposition match. Bird actually defends the title, you know, cleaner than usual because, yeah. you know, the outsiders weren't involved. But yeah, he's been champion for three weeks, and you you continue to like not actually put him over. No, they haven't put him in a good match. We then go to the room. So Kurt Hennig wants Curly Bill to join the club. This is where he actually gets the name Shane. Yeah. Okay. Can you explain this to me? Everybody probably with, not. Everybody with Vincent was like, "Yo, he's got a great gimmick. Tell him about your gimmick." And he just goes, "Okay, the gimmick, Shane. That's not a gimmick." He's really into old westerns. That's not a gimmick, man. A name is not a gimmick. Yeah. I was, I was waiting for him to like elaborate a little bit on anything. No. Shane. Here, Vince Russo is like, it's shit, but I love it. What, what, what is there to love? There's nothing. Vince Russo doing the meme, this is great, but I love this. So, yeah. Stupid. He's now Shane. Curly Bill, Vincent, Shane, Virgil. He is such a fucking shill. Yes. I'm, I'm over Yes. It. He's a kiss-ass, suck-up, corporate shill. In 1999 no, and 2022, no. I swear. He, he, at this point, he wishes to be a corporate show. That would mean someone's paying him. I guess that's true. He's not just stealing $10 from people that are taking a photo with him. Fuck this guy. Backstage, headed towards the ring, we get Midnight looking for Harlem Heat. But they're just not around. They're not around? I feel like this is almost played out of order, because we see where they are later. Kinda. No, I don't think it's out of order. I don't know. I think it would make more sense later. No. I mean, I well, can do without I it. I say later. It's literally the next segment because back in commercial, we go to the room. So, Laparka has been hired as the official chairman of the new regime. Chairman. <laughs> Get in my fucking stable. Oh, what is his what is his role as the chairman, Nick? <laughs> when I crack my knuckles, you need to hit the person with a chair. I don't even think he said it so deliberately. It was just like, when I crack my knuckles, you take care of them. So, Harlem Heat then come in. Booker T, looking like Blade. Yeah. Oh, fuck yes. I don't really know Blade all that well. I, it was mostly the sunglasses and a little bit of the haircut, but he looks like fucking Wesley Snipes' Blade. <laughs> Although, I, I, I do assume Booker T does his taxes, so. Mm. Relatedly, eh, we saw maybe. we saw IRS at uh, Raw 30. We did see IRS. Pop, Papa Wyatt. Which, never forget that Bray Wyatt's dad is IRS. I know. I know. Or, do you know his name in WCW when he came over? You've probably told me. I don't know, though. VK Wall Street. Ugh. Maybe you haven't told me that. Get I don't it, think Vincent that. Kennedy Wall Street. I don't get it. Explain it to me more. So, there's this company called the WWE. Okay, no, keep explaining it. I'm just going to I'm gonna walk away real quick. Okay. So, the group of the powers that be, I, which I'm realizing, like... But the powers that be is Russo and Ferrera, but Ferrera is also playing a fictional character. There's not really a name for the like the group that is La Parker, Creative Control, Kurt Heading, and kind of Jeff Jarrett. Like, there's not a name for them yet. I mean, I feel like they're all kind of the powers to be, powers that be, whatever. They're all part. Oh, of Oh, sorry, the I miss Shane. Oh, whoops. Oh yeah, Shane's part of this now. Well, wait, did, did you uh, did you note what Shane is going to be paid per Russo's kind of? Hug and handshake. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, all right, you're in. Minimum wage. 
Yeah, it sounds right. <laughs> Jesus, you like as much as I'd love to be a wrestler, I would not do it for minimum wage. No, absolutely not. And min- minimum wage in 1999 was probably like what three dollars. No, it's probably pretty close to what it is now. Seven dollars, seven seventy-five. Yeah. Um. Oh God, if you ever want a good laugh, look into what wrestlers were being paid like the early days of Raw. It was like twenty-five bucks a show. Oh, guys. So anyway, love. Harlem Heat enter enter the room. So, uh, they have a title shot, I guess, at the pay per view, but then get worked over by the powers to be. Oh yeah, he uh, he cracks his knuckles. Yep. And then the chairman comes in. I love that. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, it is. Why is Laparka getting to be the best best part of every show he's on? I love Laparka. Backstage, Ronnie Piper arrives, talks shit about Russo. Somewhere, David Flair is going insane. Jesus, he's he's he plays, committing to the bit. Like I will give does. him that. He he plays Psycho really well. Then get Mean Gene interviewing Jerry Flynn about the block. Ugh. He claims he almost beat the wall, and I'm like, eh. and there's an open challenge tonight. Cool. Who cares, Jerry? <laughs> an open challenge that everyone's so excited about that it gets accepted by accident. Like an yep. hour and a half later. Yep. Oh my god, yeah, the payoff for this takes so long. We didn't get the revolution coming out with a large American flag. Well, they have an American flag and they have a rolled up flag. What flag would you use to describe Dean Malenko's face when he's coming out? <sighs> What's the saddest flag you could think of? Because Dean Malenko does not want to be part of this. No, he really does not. Dean Malenko is just the epitome of, it's sad. can I just fucking wrestle? Please leave me alone. And then commentary notes, it's like, oh, yeah, um, they're coming out for Asia, who's going to be facing Midnight. I'm like, wow, you you really just sprung that with no build at all. Yeah, right? So Douglas heals on America and the Constitution, which gets big asshole chants, which <laughs> they really struggle to, like, mute out. Yeah, they don't really, they don't get it muted. They, they let the asshole chant go for a little too long, and then you can still hear it lingering in the background. Yeah. Both of us got a big laugh out of him stumbling over how to describe the American flag. <laughs> the bars and stripes and stars. If we go to the bars and stars and stripes, it would have been a little better. But just like the not even rhyming. I'm like, oh, you really. You're sp- they're co- For our non-American listeners, it's the stars and stripes. Yeah. That's it. There's no bars. I think I cut out me last week going, he comes out with the with the United States of America flag. And you're like, you mean the American flag? <laughs> like, what? Who calls it the United States of America flag? Saturn kind of continues to lose his mind on the microphone and compares, and compares him to the Black Panthers. Yeah, what? Does the fist pose Bud. and goes, power to the people. Bud, please stop. So then we get midnight striking for the match, like, as... As the men are leaving the ring. Yeah. This like doesn't phase Asia at all because Midnight gets in the ring and it's like, nope, Asia's like almost immediately on offense. Yeah. She's like, you know what? She's watched Rick Steiner matches. <laughs> like, Maybe. are you trying to blindside me? No, I'm. Uh, no, fuck you. What Pokemon move did Asia use? She used counter. Yes. Midnight hits a drop kick in the one move she really knows how to do. But th- it looks so powerful with those big thighs, though. Asia hits a snap suplex and a kip up. And this is where I noted, I don't think Midnight has what it takes. No. Or she really does. Because 
she is selling getting suplexed like it's really fucking sore. Mm. And you know what? I think it was just really fucking sore. Because she looks miserable after the yeah. suplex. Because she takes another one later and it's like you can see her like, oh, fuck, yeah. I'm so tense. Because yeah, she hits like a glam slam type move. Asia hits another suplex. Then a snapmare, but a missed elbow drop. Midnight hits a suplex, and then the Revolution pull the ref out of the ring and work over Midnight with some light stomps and kicks. Hacksaw Jim Duggan makes the save for a moment, but the numbers game gets to him. Revolution lay out Duggan and lay their flags over him. And that's it, the segment. Like, the, there's no attention on the fact that Midnight even had yeah. a match. No, which is really rough. Did we even talk about what the Revolution's flag is? What? I didn't even take a, get a full look at it. It's just the R from their logo. Oh, yeah. It's just the R on a black flag. That's it. I swear this R is pretty similar to like the Radicals R. It's no bars and stripes and stars, that's for sure. I continue to wonder how long we have with Midnight because I, I, mean, I, I mean, and Asia, I think, still has a little bit of something. I don't know. Asia's able to take a bump and not yeah. have it like wreck the match. Yeah. Midnight can take, you know, stomps and some kicks, but like... This was a powerful match, but it was a sloppy match. Yeah. I'll give it that. Like, both of these girls have a lot of power behind them, but they don't really know what to do with that power. So it just turns into a bad sloppy match. Yeah. I'm kind of over Jim Duggan, too. You have one gimmick. <laughs> one thing. It's Love in America, yelling ho. Yeah. His two by four was better this, this That's week. true. It did not collapse in on itself. We go backstage. Larry Zabisco looks for the powers that be. We get Roddy Piper headed towards the ring. And then um, we get an interesting segment, which I think I made a lot more of than you did at the time. Because mm-hmm. also, I have to laugh at the um, the in kayfabe logic of this. We get a Nitro party. Yeah, they're bringing back the Nitro parties. And, so and you have to send in a tape and say why you deserve a nitro party. And, and Toy Story is like, we haven't had one of these in like almost a year. Yeah. But um, let's see what we got. Emily, what do we got? We have a woman rocking back and forth on a bed, cradling. What was she holding? I don't even know. She was holding something. I want to say it was a crowbar, but I feel like it was also could have been like a teddy bear. She was holding something and rocking and she's like wants this party i didn't really take a lot of note of what she said she's it like, didn't really matter she's like, oh my God, i love david flair oh yeah she's like david flair so hot like fawning over david but it was just her demeanor and everything that i'm like okay so i do want to talk about the the fact of like in kayfabe them airing this means because they're going for the fact that she's crazy yes in kayfabe, this means nobody normal has watched Nitro and sent in a tape in the past, like... In a year. Well, it's been less than a year, admittedly, but... They said just about a year. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember some, but if, like, the, the early parts of... I mean, yeah, I guess They close said to a year. just about a year. But regardless, like, you guys are that desperate for any of these tapes that you'd air this one. Like, I... By the way, we have actually not said... It's Daphne. Who I still don't know who that is. I'm... I'm excited to see more because I I don't know a lot about Daphne. I've heard a lot of great things. Actually, somebody we saw on the, at the pre-tape of Raw 30, uh, Nikki Cross gets mm-hmm. a lot of like inspiration from Daphne. Okay. So I'm very curious to see this as we're going. Okay. But uh, I admittedly, I don't know a ton and I'm looking forward to learning. But this is Daphne. She will become a character on WWE television. So you're telling me this isn't an authentic... Um nitro party tape i mean it could be 
Who's to say, like, separate from her character, Daphne isn't also really into David Flair? Maybe. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Look at that guy. Especially with his character right now, he exudes sex appeal. Well, speaking of sex appeal. Oh, no. It's Roddy Piper versus Creative Control. You know, one of them, right? No. It's Roddy Piper and Creative Control um, in an I Quit Handicap match where Piper is also the ref. Right. and. Admittedly, I'm going to say now this match was a 0 out of 10 for me. Oh, yeah. Piper did not yell, what do you say, at least, even once. It was also just a bad match. Uh, well, yeah. I was saying 0 out of 10, you know, as a joke, but, you know. It also, <laughs> You're being serious. Also, it wasn't even really a match. No, exactly. Piper has a mic and notes like, all right, well, since I'm the ref, like, until the bell rings, you two motherfuckers have to do anything I say. Right. And, like, really aggressively pats down and checks each of the two creative control. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's, he's like, feeling them up. And Piper just is seemingly enjoying fucking with them. And then Dick kicks one, pokes the other in the <laughs> eyes. And it seems like the match has started. However, the bell doesn't ring. I don't yeah. know if you noted that. I don't think I did note that. Numbers game gets to Piper, including a very sloppy double gut buster. And then they beat him down. They go for a second one, which actually looks better, but still doesn't look good. Mm. Creative Control g- grabbed the padded chair and like, all right, we're going to like double pile drive Piper onto this chair. Goldberg runs out, makes the save, spears the member of Creative Control, and then puts him up for the jackhammer. And oh my dear Jesus. This is the worst jackhammer I've ever seen, and I've watched the Undertaker-Saudi Arabia match. Yeah. Because he gets him up and, like, literally, like, falls, like, into the ropes, regains himself, and then, like, kind of, like... Just kind of fumbles him down. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. It. Oh. We're lucky that nobody got hurt. Yeah. Th- then again, they're Nazis, so... We're lucky Goldberg didn't get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was... It was horrendous looking. Uh, Piper chokes out the other member of Creative Control with his own tie. And then he quits. So Piper wins. They go up the ramp. Piper raises Goldberg's hand. And Goldberg says, now they're even. And Piper's like, I have never been even with anybody. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck they're even for. I don't really know either. Like, what did... what? Who owed who what? I don't know. What? (laughs) Yeah, this was really bad. Really dumb, really bad. I don't really know why Roddy Piper is, like, doing these storylines. Does he really need this? Well, they're clearly doing something with him, which we'll talk about in the main event. I'm just saying this character in general. Why did he come back to WCW? Why is he going... Why is he on board with this shit? Does he need this? I mean, he was saying he's owed X amount of TV time, so... Is that Shooter? Is that... Like, is that real? He's owed TV time in the reverse sense for for what... in, In Shoot... Where it's, you're in a contract. You have to do some of these things, so. Yeah. But still. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, plus, I mean, you know, there's there's going to be an end game at some point with these, so. Is there? Yeah. Do you truly believe that or do you just want to believe that? Well, we'll get there. Yeah. Somewhere backstage, Disco and Latch still have Tony Marinara. The audio on these is awful, which I don't think oh, really talked about they, previously. They, could not tell you a single word that's said here. Yeah, this is where he gets tarred and yeah. feathered, and I like, didn't hear a word of... Clearly, it was, like, you know, like actually the tar and feather, because, like, all right, get the mic nowhere near this segment. Well, yeah. This just looked like an absolute sticky nightmare. Ugh. Ugh. I can't even imagine how uncomfortable that is. 
I mean, the molasses is better than like true tarring and feathering from like American history, but still, ew. At the poker game, the goons are in their boxers and hats, and then Big Vito goes all in, and we go to commercial. <laughs> Back to commercial elsewhere, Maestro finds Symphony's shoe. A clue. And then we go to Dustin Rhodes coming out, I think, to the seven music, if I'm not mistaken. And in the full seven outfit. Well, kind of. He's thinking he's full, like, Undertaker garb. Which is kind of like the seven outfit. Yeah. He's, so, facing, yeah. he's facing men. I'm right. And we're like, oh. Yeah. Because I didn't think it was weird that he was going to get a match. And then I'm like, okay, this makes, like, a It's kind of a squash. Sense. It makes some kayfabe sense of why it would get booked. Yeah. The crowd is into Meng. Like, th- this whole, like, thing with him and Sting and Luger, like, did get Meng over. I guess, yeah. I don't know. I just don't find him very entertaining. Also, Meng is facing Norman Smiley at Starcade. I'm like, what? I th- yeah, why? I figured that'd be a Finley thing. Yeah. So the match is going to start. Dustin throws his coat at Meng and hits punches, but Meng is, like, immediately back on offense. Dustin hits a running bulldog, but is then hit with the sidekick. Pretty quickly, Jeff Jarrett comes out, dumps Meng to the floor. The bell rings, and then Dustin sets Double J up for Shattered Dreams, which is literally, you set him up in the corner, spread his legs, and kick him. Yep. I mean, in reality, you're just kicking the turnbuckle pad below his dick, but... Kick him in the balls, man. Outsiders run out, save Jeff Jarrett. Mang comes in, he's once again, like, stop interfering with my goddamn match. Yeah. He gets hit with a guitar, and, and, like, kind of no-sells it. He, like, kind of staggers, but does not die like everybody else does, which just, like, makes, again, makes him look like a powerhouse. He uses the Pokemon move Endure. Endure, yes. Or, or you know what it is now? He didn't use the move. He, he, ha- he has the ability sturdy. <laughs> he hangs on because he sees you about to cry. <laughs> what was that line of dialogue in are you saying Are you saying you have peak friendship with Meng? I think Meng? I do. I've maxed out my friendship with Meng. I took him to the spa. <laughs> friendship ended with Kidman. Meng is my best friend now. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Nash's big boot does put Meng down, and then Nash power bombs Rhodes and the heels pose over him. Cool. We never got Dustin Rhodes agreeing to that bunkhouse brawl or whatever it was. No. But I guess that's gonna be a match. I, yeah, I guess you you it got agreed to for you. Dustin did not inherit the familial talents, did he? Charismatically or in ring. <sighs> it's tough to say, and admittedly. When you look at the career of Dustin Runnels, there's some high highs and some low lows. And, you know, the man is plagued with a lot of inner demons. He may know, he may not know when that kind of affected him. Because there's a lot of stretches of gold dust. And even him in AEW, where it's like, fuck, man, he can put on a killer match. Yeah. You know, he's he's not in, you know, he's, he's not a 10 out of 10 promo. Like, he, he does some good character work promos, but... He's just kind of an enigma where did the wrestling world get all they could out of out of him? It's like it's it's tough to say based mm. on himself and his own condition, his own demons cuz it it's a strange career. Yeah. I think almost that could be a podcast all on its own. It's just yeah. looking at him. How and, to yeah. Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. But it's definitely a very different career from his dad and his brother. Yes. I feel like Cody is kind of following more closely in dusty's footsteps i think it's three very different careers i I think i think trying to compare them to each other is kind of doing each of them like a a, a disservice okay because i don't look at cody rhodes and go oh that's you know that's dusty Rhodes, you know two kind of thing kind of like how randy orton isn't cowboy bob orton too 
But Cowboy Bob Orton wasn't as big as Dusty Rhodes. Hmm. Like, Dusty Rhodes has a way stronger legacy, I think, than Bob Orton. So let's move on. Larry Zabisco is in the room, so... Vince Russo asks him why Thunder sucks. So, yeah, this is a weird segment because they just... This is the segment where they just shit talk Thunder for a while. And he just straight up asks, why does the Thunder show suck absolute ass? And Larry's like, because you don't fucking book anybody important on it. Like, where's all the stars? He's right. Which... Not to keep drawing on Raw 30, but I did laugh during the um, the main event taping. They play the opening package. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, tell me Brock Lesnar's appeared on this show once because he's in your fucking opening package. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah. Larry airs his grievances. And then he, like, kind of quits slash gets fired and then keeps doing the, the segment because he should talk Kurt Hennig as well. So, Russo books Hennig versus Larry. And he's like, all right. Well, Larry, if you lose, like, you're fired. And I feel like you could learn from Larry, because we've talked previously how you're awful at betting. Yeah. Because Larry's like, well, then there's no reason for me to do this match, because if I win, I don't get anything. Yeah. So Larry's like, all right, if I win, you have to step down, and you're not employed anymore. Once again, there was a, like, loophole in this language that made me think that, like, the match was going to go the way that it did. Because the language that they used in the room, so... Was Larry said, if I win, you have to go back where you came from. Yes, I did know this well because I was thinking this. He did not with. say that he has to quit. You have to go back to the Verrazano Bridge, as we said. <laughs> yes. He didn't say you have to step down. He didn't say you have to leave WCW. He said you have to go back. You have to, lay, the, you have to hang up your wrestling boots. Like it, it, it was the vibe that he would, you know, Russo would be out. And I'm like. Oh, well, sure. It was the vibe. Well, but I'm, well, to me, I'm like, okay, well, this telegraphs the fucking match. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. It was the vibe. That was the implication. But that's not what they said. And Kurt Henning having a match tonight is the perfect example of that. I was amazed that Russo was like, okay, yeah, I agree. Uh, what? Right? So that match is coming up pretty much next. However, before we get to that, somewhere in the arena, there is a dove. And someone we didn't recognize, gratefully, commentary identified him. It is the artist formerly known as Prince. Ikea. I can't decide if I hate this or if I love it. I, I didn't know how you'd feel about I it. Really so that kind of adds up. I really can't decide. Because I love me a good pun. I love me a good wordplay, and I just don't know how I feel about this. Or is he we known going forward? Taff Cappy. Pardon? The artist formerly known as Prince Ikea, Taff Cappy. They do not call him Taff Cappy. No, but we will. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought they actually named him Taff No, we're calling him Taff Cappy. <laughs> oh, God. But do you get it, Emily? Do you get it? Get what? His name has the word prince in it. Yeah, he's royalty. The the bird that's his pet. Was this like a reference to something? Let's move into this <laughs> match. It's Kurt Hennig versus Larry Zbysko. Larry comes out, no top bottom, breaking his mother's heart. He looks great. Yeah, she does. No, he's making he his mama proud. Does. He looks great. He would no. He is not breaking his mother's heart. And how is Larry still like one of the top three baby faces in the company? Crowd's super behind him. And like, God yeah. damn, Larry. We all really should be living like Larry. Kurt Eddie comes out wearing a top I've seen Emily wear. <laughs> the black sleeveless turtleneck. It's Emily funny. looks great in it. Thank you. 
It's funny because as we were watching this episode, I had just folded laundry. So the like laundry hamper was next to the couch. And Nick Nick's made that comment. He's like, hey, don't you have that shirt? And I'm like, yeah, it's right next to you. Now, that said, we do need to talk about this shirt in regards to previous weeks. I Actually, maybe it was just last week. I talked about Kurt Hedding wearing the turtleneck, the blazer, and the blue jeans. Yeah. How does it affect the outfit knowing it's a tank top? Because <laughs> I feel like that knocks it down some points. No, if you if you if you commit to keeping the blazer on, it does not make a difference. It's the equivalent of like a fucking dicky. Yeah, but if you leave the look altogether, it does not make a difference. It's about how it looks. It's not about anything else. So the crowd is behind Larry as he beats down Hedig. Pretty early on, we get a ref bump as Hennig hits a knee and starts working over Larry. Hennig's not cheating for a lot of this match. And I'm like, why did we bump the ref for so long? Like, the ref's down for like five minutes. Yeah. Get a knee lift to Larry and then, and then a neck snap. Kurt locks in an abdominal stretch and then hits some punches. Larry manages to lock in a quick guillotine chokehold, but then Shane runs in because I forgot Shane was at ringside. Mm-mm. Arn Anderson runs down and makes a save with a baseball bat. Larry pins Kurt Hennig. What? I was... I, I I, was that, that is the point where I'm like, yeah, I was right to call the wordplay. Yeah. Then Creative Control come out, and Charles Robinson was the ref. They show him the replay of Arn Anderson using the bat. And then it's like, all right, well, Kurt Hennig wins by DQ. So I'm unclear whether or not Larry still loses his job they did, they did not dwell on it so no. i don't know i didn't assume larry was win so the swerve actually got me a little bit yeah I, it, it is definitely like a oh shit it's like I, an oh shit moment i mean, it's I, not... I, I, mean I knew russo is, isn't gonna be gone for That's a little bit thing. but i was like oh how are they gonna explain this i was surprised is he, he won gone, like, and now, then it was, oh never mind he's explained it is he gone like now though well no well one henning technically won I know, but when you say that, how when you were saying like you're wondering how they're going to write it in, does Russo leave around now? No, would it make sense in the timeline for them to use this as his exit? No, no, he okay, he gets fired for a very specific decision that we'll talk about when we get to okay. it because there's four spoilers that go into this decision oh that I can't talk about until we get there. That's it, Emily. I want you to I want you to be proud of me. Why? Because I went through a whole segment with someone named Larry, and I didn't evoke the new gym leader once. You didn't. That's true. Slash the new Elite Four member. I do love Larry. Backstage, we get the Benoit and Outsiders headed towards the ring shot. Somewhere in that room, Lash and Disco still have Tony, and they put an apple in Tony's mouth after he's been tarred and feathered. Very cartoon. Both of us were like, just spit it out. Yeah. Or, Or bite. He acts like the apple is like this massive gag and he just can't get around it. I'm like, it's a, it's food. You can spit it out. It's not bound to you. You can take a bite out of it. Exactly. Like, why are we dwelling on this so much? Then I think about a, that in like cartoons too. Like, what are you doing? Then in a weird timing segment, we go back to the poker game. Uh, Vito has lost his hand and is fully nude. Fully naked. He, covered by a camera. Covered by a camera. Apparently his hat is over his dick as well because the girls are chanting, move that hat. Oh my God. Move that bus. Move that bus. <laughs> so cause it, it seems like they see Tony on the monitor that they're looking at and they go, oh, we got to go. Oh, maybe. That's the vibe I got. I didn't put that together, but you might be right. Yeah. So, but yeah, the girls managed to be... The goons at, at the strip goons. poker. And we go to our next match, and it feels like we haven't had a lot of these matches. 
But uh, we got a Chris Benoit versus Kevin Nash with Scott Hall. And Scott Hall comes out holding a ladder. <laughs> Hall keeps waving at Benoit during the entrance while holding the ladder. And then he's just being a general dick. He hops on commentary, but then sets the ladder and sits atop the ladder for the entire time he's there. Yeah, he just gets and a headset and then just uses the ladder. Scott Hall he... does not give a shit on commentary during no. this whole segment. Oh, my God. No. Nash works Benoit over, mostly in the corner. Yep. He loves that corner. Benoit tries to work on Nash's legs, but has a hard time staying on offense. Nash boots Benoit over the top ropes as he goes for some sort of leg hold. Nash hits a sidewalk slam on Benoit as Tony asks Scott Hall about the ladder. It's like, oh, why do you have this? And Hall tells him, you should know, Tony, you have the format. Yeah, that's where I'm like, oh. Just not even pretending it's not scripted anymore. He's like, oh, you have a ladder match. Are you telling me that this, do you think this ladder is going to come into play later on in the show? And that's when he's like, you have the, you know, it is like, you know, it is. But it really doesn't, doesn't. No, it doesn't. Like, like. I didn't really think about that. Like it but it happens, really. but like it's not like critical to anything. No. <laughs> Benoit keeps working over Nash's legs and hits some hard chops and tries for a ten punch spot, but Nash counters and and then gets them titties out. Get the titties out! And you know what I love? Scott Hall was so supportive when the titties came out. He was cheering his friend on. Like, damn, that's friendship right there. Chris Benoit locks in a cross face, but then Hall hits the ref with a ladder. Hall gets in the ring, but Benoit fights him off. Nash grabs the ladder, but then gets a drop kicked into him. And Benoit sets the ladder, climbs it, and we're like, oh, God, are you going to hit another, like, dangerous headshot? I was afraid. But then he just, he, like, did a diving crossbody onto Hall instead of Nash. Big boot from Nash, then a jackknife powerbomb, and Nash Nash gets the pin. Woo! Or I think. Now now I'm questioning. <laughs> because I, I just go straight to the, the, uh, the post-match. They set up for an outsider's edge onto the ladder, but then Sid runs out and saves Benoit. Yeah. It's another one of those everyone to the ring brawl. This was actually a possible match. I really didn't hate it. Yeah. And Scott Hall on commentary was quite fun. He's, I, I like when they don't give a shit to an extent. I'm sure I've said in the past that I hate that they don't give a shit, but right now I kind of like it. They're not giving a shit in a fun way. Yeah. It's not a fuck as, you way. It's as not opposed a finger to I'm, doom I'm way. like I'm over this. I want to. Right. It's not. Um. It's not Kate from the Traders. <laughs> Katie Vick wasn't there last night. Someone on Twitter <laughs> said it was confirmed. Katie Vick hasn't been anywhere in a while. Oh, you're right. She's dead. <laughs> I forgot. That's how I want. I tried to bring your show into this, and you just glanced right over. I didn't even hear what you said. Sorry. <laughs> well, well, at this point, we're leaving it. But I said it's not like Kate in the Traders. Oh my God! Yeah. Fuck that. Fuck Kate. I do want to take a darker second. Oh, God. Um, just because, you know, there's been a couple troubling moments recently. Um, Kevin Nash has been having a rough go of it. Oh, and, no. And, you know, we, you know, we get that. And obviously, you know, he doesn't listen to our podcast. It's not like we're contributing to this at all. But it's one of the it's one of those moments where I just think both of us can agree. Like, if you're having some darker thoughts like okay. reach out to somebody because definitely like as much as we should on kevin nash's performance here like we want the men to live a long happy we long, shit happy on the character life. we yeah. don't shit on the person yeah and i think that can be that can be carried to everyone we talk about like we we shit on 
their personas. Or, or if, if we on, shit on the person, it's very it's obvious. It's deliberate. Yeah. yeah. It's like when we call Hulk Hogan a racist. Like, th- th- that's you. He is. <laughs> but. No. Yeah. Yeah. Everything Nick said, 100%. You have, you have people around you, whether you realize it or not. And is yeah, someone who just quit their job for mental health reasons, like, take care of yourself. Yes. 100%. Yes. Well, at least the the next person we see actually like is like a good beacon of mental health and true. support, and it's DDP. He's here. That's true. You keep wanting to do DDP yoga, and I, or rather, I guess I want to, and you want to have me do yoga, and so I want you to do yoga, and I know the only way you will do yoga is if it's DDP yoga, but you haven't committed enough for me to actually pay for DDP yoga, so I'm not gonna. What if I can diamond cutter you once per day? No. What? But I want you to feel the bang. No, that's not yoga. No, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying, you know, for my own enjoyment. The whole point of this is I want you to fucking work out because your bones sound like that. That's why I want you to work out. So we get the goons roaming through backstage looking for Tony Marinara. Fully clothed, may I add. Yeah. The game's over. I know, but like not even like adjusting their clothes or anything like they just put them on. We then get Mean Gene interviewing Sting and he asks about Liz and, and Sting's like... Kind of dodges the questions. I'm not really sure, but then tells the outsiders, don't sing it. Bring it. I got five words for you. But really, it's four words. I'm remembering a Mick Foley segment, and I'm trying to remember how many words it actually is. You literally like, count it out, and he's like, I have 26 words for you. How much wood could a woodchuck <laughs> chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Bang, bang. I love that man. National treasure. Mick I was Foley. sad he wasn't at Raw 30 either. Yeah. Yeah, that is a bummer. Because he actually, like, did contribute to He had been doing a lot of traveling recently. And I think it was just one of those, like, I just, I'm tired. I don't want to be there. And you don't have enough for me to do. So yeah, I, I mean, you're right. So then we get the goons coming out to the ring to very Italian music. Yeah, like, out of the Sopranos, Italian. Like, you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. That's not the Sopranos, Emily. Who gives a shit? Is that Godfather? Yes. The music was very Sopranos. Not even watch the Sopranos. You don't know. I know the vibe. It was, it was more Godfather. I don't know. But not the Godfather. Well, not that not that the Godfather. There were no hoes. What Actually, is, that's a lie. There were hoes. But we'll get there. Oh my god. So the goons are tired of disco and lash and call them out. And then we get the two girls from last week just like coming out to the ring apron to distract the goons. Disco Inferno and Lash LaRue sneak in the ring and start beating down the goons and then... Wait, those, you said the girls from last week? Were those were those the girls from the strip club? I thought it was. I thought they were just random girls. This, uh, it was two blondes. And, yeah. And the ones who were in the apartment with, with the goons last week were two blondes who looked kind of like twins. I think it was the same girls. Oh, I didn't put... I'm, I'm a bad woman because I just saw them as things. Oh, God, I'm such not a feminist. To be fair... I didn't take any stock into who these women were or like... Anything about their appearance. Wow, I suck. Emily, to be fair, I was going to tell you last week, the Harris brothers were twins. Yeah, we did have a long debate about that. And I stand by... Okay, so I do stand by that I can t- I can tell a deliberate difference between those two men when they are in the ring together. One has a much more stout, round face. One is more muscular. One is more lean. I stand by it. Anyway, so at some point here, Tony, Tony Marinara runs out with a pipe and then the goons end up laying out the faces, carry them to the back. Tony Marinara comes out covered in the, the tar and feathering. Oh, yes. To the point where I'm like, I didn't recognize him at first. It like, freaked me out. I'm like, who is that guy? And then Nick's like, it's fucking Tony. What do you mean, who's that guy? 
Who's that Pokemon? Oh, we should have who's that Pokemon for him. Uh, Blaziken. Quaxley. Blaziken's a chicken. He's Quaxley. Quaxley's just a duck. I know, but his little dance. And he shimmies, doesn't he? Quarkwaffle. Quick, what is the fully evolved version Quarkwaffle. Quarkwaffle? That's a stupid name. Who who are Vito and Johnny the Bull? What are, what are they? Well, I guess Johnny the Bull's Tauros. Yes. And I'm going to say the other one is the floating rock with arms. Geodude? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say slacking. <laughs> well. Also, like, it feels like every other turn he doesn't do anything. So, yeah, no. maybe it is slacking. Maybe he is slacking. There we go. A little bonus that was round. Good. So, yeah, the, the, the faces get taken in the back. We'll follow up on this a little bit later. Backstage, Maestro is still looking for Symphony. Disco and Lash get loaded into a car, but then the car leaves without the goons. And it was unclear whether or not Disco or Lash, like, stole the car or if the car just took off without them. I think they stole the car. I couldn't. I I took that as they stole the car. The goons took too long to get in the car and... They were knocked out. For you to, like... They weren't knocked out. That's what they, they sold it as. They were like they got carried to the back motionless. Okay, yeah, I guess kind of. Maybe maybe there was like somebody else driving the car. Maybe we'll, maybe there's a third party. Who here. was driving the white Hummer, brother? Who was driving the limo? Is it a limo? By the way, it's a white car. Who cares? I do want to note. I I don't remember the context. I was on Reddit the other day. I saw somebody talk about the the Sting video package where it's like stings me to heal the whole time he was driving the white hummer remember remember <laughs> i'm like someone else remembers this oh my god oh god it felt so justified so yeah so the faces get away once again i feel like this is definitely going to be a starcade match of some sort yeah i don't really get why lash is super involved in this but i don't know either he just kind of got roped into it and like he got you know punched and now it's like well now i'm against the mafia yeah i don't know it is weird. For lately, as someone who is going to Providence soon, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to be aware of this. Yeah, be careful of the mafia up there. So then we get the first half of the payoff, I guess, for the maestro. He's looking for Symphony, and then he wanders into the most grainy, like, 8 millimeter film I've ever okay, seen. Okay, yeah, I'm going to need somebody to explain to me why this choice was made. Yeah, and by the way, it is a choice because they show a replay yes. after this of this, and it's the grainy footage, and I'm like, what? So what we're referring to is this is the the block match with Jerry Flynn. Yes. And as soon as they they cross the door threshold into this space, or the maestro cr- crosses into this space, the camera gets a filter over it that makes the footage kind of, kind of like a Berlin intro, but worse. I mean, the worst one thing, quality. The one thing is the frame rate's the same. I feel like the yes, Berlin the one, they talk about the frame the rate a little bit. The frame rate is the same, but there's like this, what I can only refer to as like an old timey filter. Yeah, like I was ready for the like this bit of nitro is presented in the most complete form it can be oh, through technical point. difficulties, but it didn't come. That made sense. Like it was clearly a choice. I'm like, what? Oh no, they chose to do this. Someone was yeah, like, it's so going to be artistic. Maestro wanders into the block, gets attacked by Jerry Flynn. They brawl for about 45 seconds. Yeah. David Flair attacks Jerry Flynn with a crowbar and is still dragging Symphony around. He doesn't take out the Maestro, which is notable here. Then we go elsewhere backstage. Mean Gene interviews Nick Patrick and says for Hall versus Sting, he's barring everyone who doesn't have the proper paperwork from ringside. Anyone who doesn't have a legal reason to be yes. by, by ringside, yeah. Remember that. Fucking remember that. Nick Patrick's a pussy. Because you go from that to Sting and Liz looking over paperwork. It's like, 
it's clearly like, okay, you're my manager now, paperwork. Yes. As they head towards the ring. And I'm like, okay, well, that, that seems to be a legal reason. It's legally reason. binding, yeah. We got DDP lacing up his boots. I don't know why we need to keep seeing. Just don't forget yeah. DDP's here. Then we get Scott Hall coming out with Kevin Nash versus Sting with Elizabeth. Nash comes out of the ring with Hall. Nick Patrick's fine with this. Walks around the ring, basically makes eye contact with Nick Patrick and makes his way to commentary. Yeah. Sure. Apparently commentary is a legally binding contract. Sure. Because then to add to it, Elizabeth comes out and literally is like, here's all my paperwork. Like fucking, you know, a full DMV procedure. here. Yes. She is prepared. Match starts. Hall throws his toothpick at Sting, who just kicks him. They quickly go over to the announce table. Nash just blatantly interferes, like chokes Sting with the with like with his like commentary cable. Mm. Nick Patrick's like, "Hey, you can't hey, do that. Go to the stop back." That. DQ. Nah, you won't do it again, right? Yeah. So Nash is told to leave. I think two two refs like half heartedly come out to be like, "Go to the back." Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Hall locks in a abdominal stretch and is using the ropes for leverage. Sting hip tosses out but misses an elbow drop, and then we get a sleeper from Hall. But Sting quickly gets out with a back suplex. Sting goes for a 10-punch spot three different times, but finally actually manages to hit all 10 on the third try. <laughs> Fall away slam from Hall. Liz gets on the apron, and Hall goes over to tell her to suck it. So she sprays him in the face with something. She learned how to use spray bottles. She did it with one hand. She shot it at the right time, in the right direction. The woman learned how to shoot a perfume bottle. Whether that was perfume, mace... Any kind of spray, she figured it out, and I'm proud of her. MVP of the night. We get a stinger splash in two different corners from Sting, then a scorpion deathlock, and Hall taps out. Bobby notes that uh, Sting actually did not see Liz cheating, so that might come up at some point, because she basically is a heel manager when he's meant to be a face. That's true, and she was super anti all of that, you know, heel shit. But this was, you know, a good enough match, kind of generic it was, long, it enough was to fine. Be con- long, enough, long enough to be considered a match. Yes, exactly. It was fine. That's kind of, unfortunately, like, that's how I've been rating a lot of matches lately. Like, yeah, it was fine. It wasn't offensive. That's kind of like, if it's not awful, it's fine, which is sad. Then you get David Flair dragging Symphony towards the ring, and DDP is also headed towards there for his match. Actually, in the arena, David Flair has Symphony. He's like grabbing her by her hair, like, get to the fucking ring. I'm like, oh. He calls out the maestro, but DDP comes out instead, hits a diamond cutter on David Flair, and it's like, hey, powers to be, I got your pay-per-view match right there. Me versus David Flair. I'm like, what? Please don't. Why? Yeah. That's such a waste. They kind of dropped that whole angle. Again, where the fuck has Canyon been? He did come back for like a split second. Like That was at the pay-per-view. Was that at the pay-per-view? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he'll come back again. This is week three. He then also talks about his release rumors from last week which when i told you i didn't realize it's gonna come up in a promo right and uh, he's like oh like you know you're gone for like a week or two and the rumors that form and he tries to reaffirm the fact that he's a heel but he like never says that the rumors were false no like like he definitely and in the wrestling server like no he like he did ask for his release like that's not (laughs) Like, I'm a WCW loyalist, except for when I don't want to be here. I mean, admittedly, maybe it was in the last release, he kind of gauged, like, what WWF signed me? Maybe. But do you really think that if DDP at this time went to WWF and asked for a contract, they would say no? I don't know. He's so hot in WCW, I feel like they Vin- would want to do that. Vince is weird, man. You're, y- yeah? Vince McMahon is weird? I don't think that's right. I mean, he... 
we'll see where he ends up in WWE. But to my knowledge, he doesn't, you know, leave super ice cold. And then they de- debut him as a fucking stalker. So yeah. honestly, he, he probably should have gone over right now because Undertaker's nowhere to be seen. Oh, that's a good point. He isn't the American badass yet. Yeah, so there actually is a space for someone like DDP to be there. So we go from his promo to his match. It's DDP versus Sid Vicious. Sid overpowers DDP and pushes him to the floor and just kind of throws him around ringside. Back inside, we get a jawbreaker and a swinging neckbreaker from DDP actually getting some offense. He signals for the diamond cutter, but then we get a ref bump. Sid hits a powerbomb and then goes for another, but Nash interferes. Scott Hall kind of follows. We get Goldberg chance as the outsiders work over Sid. Benoit runs out to absolutely no pop. Right? Didn't you think that was weird? <sighs> yes, it's and no. bizarre. It's just it's bizarre world. Jarrett comes out to more Goldberg chance, and then we get a little pop because Bret Hart then runs out, and it's just a messy brawl. Security so tries to break everything up, and then we get Nick Patrick going over to commentary, and he's like, "I've had enough." The referees and security and security are basically going on strike. It's like, fine, have them, you know, manage themselves. Lumberjack match. Which, by the way, is not what a lumberjack match is. I mean, you're right. But, I mean, it ended up working out pretty well. Well, they still need a referee is the problem. Yeah. But don't worry. They have a solution for that. It's fine. Well, they go to commercial. Goldberg finally comes out after the commercial. Creative Control came to the ring at some point during that break. Did they? Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't notice. Yeah, the faces clear the ring. And then we get Roddy Piper's music hitting. He's tired of all this. Same. Yeah, he clears the ring. He's on board with the Lumberjack idea. He's like, I'm a referee now, so fuck it. Let's do this goddamn match. I mean, he did kind of pull the, you want to you wanna make me a referee? I'm going to be a referee. Fuck your show. I'll ref it. Jeff Jarrett doesn't want to do the match. And in a moment that broke both of us, he goes to leave. And with no explanation whatsoever, he's, his exit is blocked by three members of the Green Bay Packers. Where the fuck <laughs> did they come from? Why are they here? What is happening? Well, they're in Milwaukee is the thing. I know, but like, why? Well, they're not even in Green Bay. That's the other funny thing. Yeah, they're in Milwaukee. Oh, God. It, it was wild. Yeah, we like, wait, what? Because it wasn't set up with anything. It wasn't no. even like he shit-talked the Packers earlier. No, they're just there. They're just hanging out. As far as we know, they were in the audience, saw some shit going down. They're like, no, no, I'm not letting this happen. And they jumped the barricade. Well, no, because they come out through the, the official Nitro ramp. Oh, do they? Yeah. I didn't see that. Because then Dustin Rhodes comes in from somewhere, throws Jarrett back in the ring. Yeah. And this match is on. Goldberg beats down Jarrett to start, including a big power slam. Jarrett rolls to the outside, gets, gets hit by the faces and thrown back in. Goldberg locks in an arm bar, but Jarrett gets the ropes and then is attacked by the Lumberjacks. Goldberg then goes outside and just brawls with the heel Lumberjacks for some reason. Then back inside, Piper's a little distracted for this. However, it is a no DQ match. Jarrett hits a chair shot on Goldberg that I think concusses Goldberg. Yeah, he it's doesn't really It's a big fuck you headshot. And he just looks a little off. And even like, I don't think Goldberg's all that good at selling, but like, Moments where he's kind of just like on his own, he's like, oh, fuck, man. Like, like he's yeah, trying just, to shake himself back. Yeah, like, like trying to get the cobwebs clear kind yeah. of thing. I've never had a concussion, but I can't really imagine like the brain fog that comes with that so immediately. You've had a concussion, right? Yeah. I thought I had one. I think like looking back on it, I just I just hit my head really hard. I didn't actually get a concussion. 
but I know you've had one. Yeah, I, I got it from um, having a little, little car accident, and then I, got, I went home and I puked a bunch, and I had no memory of it. Yeah, which is just scary in hindsight. Yeah, Goldberg kicks out of the chair shot. Jared goes up top and hits diving crossbody, then locks in a sleeper with no noise. Mm-mm. Goldberg powers out of it, and then we get Jared getting in Piper's face, who argues back. Sidekick from Goldberg, and then he goes for a spear, but Nash stops him before he can kind of run to go do it. All the Lumberjacks fight. Bret Hart gets in the ring, hits Jarrett with a title belt. Goldberg hits a spear, jackhammer, met a pin, and that ends a mess of a match and a mess of a Nitro. Yes. I can't wait for the day that Jeff Jarrett actually finally gives you your Glargay sleeper hold. Because you're going to lose your fucking mind. I am. You're correct. It's going to be great. Any thoughts on this match? It was a mess. You're absolutely right. I like the idea of lumberjack matches. I think that they're like clever and I think they're fun. Oh, I, I don't. I like lumberjack matches. It just dissolve, It just devolves into like... It does the, devolve. Yeah. But it lends itself to almost controlled chaos when it's done well. This was not controlled chaos, obviously. Thoughts on the show as a whole? A C. It was fine. Well, it's it's funny. We, we talked about... Like how we were starting, like, God, I barely remember the show. We just went through it, and I'm like, what the fuck happened on this show? Kind of nothing. It's kind of a filler episode. Again, there's one episode until your biggest pay-per-view of the year. It feels like they're going from pay-per-view to pay-per-view with filler episodes. Can I be totally honest? And we can talk about this maybe a little more at the pay-per-view. I think once they did the NWO, Starcade stopped being their most prestigious pay-per-view. Yeah. I think they started prioritizing Bash of the Beach. You think? I think so. Okay. Yeah, because they're really not... I think Bash of the Beach kind of became the WrestleMania, and Starcade is basically their SummerSlam now. Okay. Yeah, because Starcade was supposed to be their WrestleMania, right? And they haven't hyped it up at all. They're barely even talking about it. Well... Which, like, they usually barely talk about pay-per-views, but, like, this is supposed to be their, like, their big one, their premier pay-per-view. Here's the... I, I mean, I guess I say that, the last two years of Starcade main events have been big deals either going into it or coming out of it. Because last year's was Nash beating Goldberg streak, mm-hmm. which wasn't a great build, admittedly. But no, then, but know, there was payoff. Well, admittedly, they didn't. Well, they didn't make a big deal out of it. He just he just won. True. And the year before that was the year and a half long payoff of Sting and Hogan. Which ended so screwy that it didn't yeah. even come off good. So, yeah, I don't know. But I, I can't. I wanted to be hyped for Starkey 99, and I'm really, I'm not. No. It's kind of hard to be when no one seems to be. Yeah. Well, we got one more week to try to get us hyped. They're gonna, they have, it's a heavy, heavy job that they've got. Let's go to our end segment. And I, I have nothing. I, in those last, in the last like 10 minutes, I looked at my notes. I was like, shit, I also have nothing. So I scribbled down. I have stuff for best bit and I have stuff for worst bit, but I don't have an MVP and I'm struggling. I have someone that I can think of, but I don't have a like a strong case for them. Well, let's play 20 seconds of Jeopardy music to give me a, a second to find what the hell I'm going to say. Ahead. I got a I got a ramshackled <laughs> bit. I don't I don't know that I have a worse bit, but maybe. Uh, oh, I have a worse bit for sure. Emily, what is your best bit? 
I gave it to the um, Jinsu Thunder Liger and... Um, uh, Tells you how good this match was. The Liger and Psychosis match. Yeah. But mostly I gave it to Laparka at the end. And his little dancey dance. Mostly I gave it to Laparka. <laughs> I felt like I had to give it to the whole bit. Okay. Fair. <laughs> Do you have... Did you find one? Did you figure it out? What, what did you What did you write down for best bit? <laughs> I didn't write down anything. I'm just, what did I'm... you rack your brain for? You know what? I'm going to give my best bit to something trying something a little different. And it is the one woman nitro party with Daphne. I really thought you were about to give it to Oklahoma. <laughs> no, no, no. No, the, 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 the Daphne nitro party is an interesting way to debut a character. And you know what? It's something. It's it, something. They're trying to... Rooster's throwing a lot of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. I, I bit on this. I went, okay, this is... Sure. This you bid on seven, hook. though, too. I bid on the seven entrance, but I to her, I also knew it was coming with seven. True. I, you bid on seven hard. I did. Emily, what's your worst bit? I was between Oklahoma commentating his own match and then it falling apart and the um, the block match Ugh. or the block brawl. Ugh. I was between those two. I think I'm going to give it to the block because I did give the Oklahoma segment a little bit of props. So I think I'm going to give it to the block. The other thing I'll say to the block is 45 seconds. It's not long yeah. enough to be... I don't... Yeah. I, there, there's a lot of garbage in this show to where nothing stands out as extreme garbage it's, to me. It's all mediocre garbage. Yeah. And then did you manage to find an MVP? I actually wonder if we're going to end up with the same I one. I mean, I have one. I, I, I don't have a strong argument for him. I gave it to Roddy Piper. Oh. Okay. We have a different one. Oh. What was your reasoning for Piper, though? He stepped up as the ref in the last match. Like, he kind of, like, took his new role and ran with it in a way that did still kind of say fuck you to the authority, which, yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's not a strong well, argument. Well, ironically, I'm almost going to give my MVP for a similar reason. Yeah. Somebody who, who came in, you know, we haven't really seen do much in a while, and just managed to captivate the crowd and got everybody behind him. DDP. Larry Zabisco. Larry Zabisco did a great fucking job in this show. You're right. Just like, you know. That's a good MVP. Screwy finish, but yeah, Larry Zabisco did a great job on this show. That is a good with MVP. Like, we haven't seen him in a, you know. I, I, no. We've seen him doing backstage interviews, but like, but he hasn't been a fixture much. on the show. And actually on commentary during his match, they note his history of like, yeah, he's fought for WCW before. like Because he fought Eric Bischoff yeah. at the one Starcade of like. You know, who gets to, like, control WCW. Yeah. So, Larry came in, did a great guest spot here. He did. You're right. Good job. So, yeah. You don't mind Larry. You threw it all together. Living like Larry. All right. We put it together. We put it together. And that's going to do it for episode 70 of the Bunch Podcast. We got one more for uh, before Starcade. Actually, this is going to be coming out right before Valentine's Day as well. Ah, uh, how romantic. Oh, but, yeah, we're nearing Starcade. Getting there. You excited? <sighs> I'm excited to go to bed. How about you? We, we got back from Raw 30 at like 1 a.m. And and Emily didn't get to go to bed until like 2 a.m. Twisted tea will fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah, it will. But you can drink your twee while listening <laughs> to all of our back catalog, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, mm. Spotify, Stitcher and iHeartRadio. Get that Samsung podcast, baby. Also, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod and Hell Facebook yeah. at the Butts and Seats Podcast. Hell yeah. Emily, any any closing sleepy thoughts before we get out of here? <laughs> no. I mean, like you said, Raw 30 was 
last night and it was a great fucking time and i really wish that we talked about raw 30 in this up ep- in this episode of but the seeds and not nitro but until the go home show for starcade how are we that close but i'm nick i am still emily and thanks for listening to the butts in the seats podcast Bye.